To quote this week's guest, CEO of the Fathering Project, Wayne Bradshaw, you often make an effort to learn new skills when it comes to your job, but when was the last time you learned new skills relating to how you father your children? And so this week, we go deep on fathering and fathering figures, a subject that's so close to my own heart, and how the Fathering Project, through its focus on linking dads together at their children's school, is providing the well-needed structure into the whole conversation of fathering amongst men and how to step up into this role. This isn't actually just about fathering. It's about better outcomes for children through real and honest father figures that will influence and shape the next generation of West Australians and Australians at large. Wayne is a wonderful, unassuming man who has such a strong sense of community and giving back and it's through this that he makes such a strong impact. Wayne dishes up many studies and examples to back up the focus of the work, but you only have to listen to him to know that the direction of the fathering project just makes so much sense from a deep level of knowing. He also leaves the listener with some very tangible and straightforward steps to take action and step up within your own fathering. So enjoy, Wayne. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Fathering, the impact of fathering, and what is a good father are some of the topics we're going to deep dive into today with my guest, Wayne Bradshaw. Wayne, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. So Wayne, you're the CEO of the Fathering Project. Um, you were born and raised here in Western Australia. Yes, I'm a WA boy. Yeah. Um, lived for four years in Gosford, New South Wales. Other than that, I've been here the whole time. And um, tell me, what... What are some of your residing memories of growing up here in Western Australia and how have they shaped you? Um, I reckon it was an outdoors life, yeah. um, lots of sport. I was a sport kid playing footy. My weekends, uh, winter playing footy, two games a weekend and summer playing cricket all day, Saturday and all day so Sunday. Archetypal Australian so sports. All means. my mates are out surfing, learning to be good surfers and I didn't do that as much as them I was a body surfer because I couldn't spend the time to learn to surf and uh, played footy and cricket all my all my all my you know school age years pretty much super so there's a real sense of teamship and camaraderie yeah yeah I enjoyed it and it was a great opportunity to you know get out and challenge yourself and you know have a good friendly environment really interesting how much of that those sort of things have you taken into your sort of working life later on? I mean, I, I played, um, <clears throat> back in England, I played a lot of rugby and I found that certainly operating in teams, being responsible and accountable for your role in the team, yeah. taking leadership over certain situations, all of that I, I draw on from my days in rugby. How much of that have you taken into your... Uh, pretty much you've hit it on the nail on the head there with, uh, you know, leadership, you know, being part of a team and others responsible, um, being reliable, you know, that you're a part of a team, then you've got to be reliable and you've got to turn up and be there and be accountable. Um, and also, right, just general relationships out of, you know, the number of people that I know now yeah. um, that I just catch up with and the friendships that we've got um, are fantastic. And then even in sort of the business area, you know, you yeah. touch base with those blokes at different times and it's uh it's been good you know probably 
in hindsight, would have been great to do some other things instead of being totally focused on sport. But I enjoyed it at the time, and that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's great. So it's I can't what, complain. It's kind of what your rest of your life can yeah, be for. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because certainly, uh, I imagine footy, like rugby, has only got a, a shelf life for a period of yeah, time. Yeah. Absolutely. Before your body cranks out. Totally. That's what <laughs> happened to me. Yeah. So, as I said, you're you're the CEO of the the fathering project. Can you give me a summary level? What, what is its mission and vision and values? And what's it? Really, um, the purpose is to um, improve child development outcomes by making fathers the best that they can be. Right. By helping fathers to be the best they can be. Um, so there's like two stages, yeah, two focuses it's, to that. It's interesting. When we first started, we said we create fathering groups to develop child, you know, to, to achieve child development outcomes. Uh, we flipped it around. Um, we're actually a child charity. We want to improve the future of our, our kids. Mm. So we put that in the front end. So we want to improve child development outcomes by inspiring and equipping fathers and father figures to be as involved and effective as they can be. Mm. Uh, and so there's two parts to it, but the kids are at the front end so that people understand that we're actually at the front end. Yeah. <clears throat> a little bit around the fact that when we're applying for funding, We've had it around the other way, says, uh, saying that we want to inspire f- and equip fathers to be better. Yeah. And then funders look at us and go, we're not interested in helping dads. Yes. We're actually, and so we didn't actually get the first base. We yeah. had to get it through their mind in our presentations. We're actually about helping kids and the vehicle to achieve that is through dads. Right. So there's a subtle difference there and yeah. it's just in our presentation the way we had in terms of why we approached yeah. fundraising. I suppose it helps to make it clear to yourself how to proceed forward. Yeah, yeah. And it's evolved since then. We can get into that a yeah. little bit later on. Yeah, so um, you've obviously been with us from the start. Yeah. People don't just get into something like this because it's on a whim. Yeah. You know, you, you've got this background of being 10 years of being the CEO of West Australian Football Commission and yeah. what was it, the... Subiaco Oval before. Yeah. Um, there's got to be a big why behind why you do yeah. this. What Look, even makes back, it personal? What, yeah, what even that? back in the... Um, when I was working with footy, um, we are trying, as the CEO, I was trying to position football as just as something more than a game. That It's a bit about what we spoke about before in my junior sporting career, that football has a actually has a role or sport has a role in shaping individuals. It creates values, creates the teamwork, creates responsibility. So I was trying to position football at the time to be just more than just a sport that's played on the weekend and that, that we can actually have uh, opportunities to help the community by growing mm. young people and giving them the values that are imparted by coaching and the part of discipline and all those sorts of things. So at the Football Commission, we're, we're expanding and we started, uh, before I left, on some mental health work with country footy in particular. Um, so we did some mental health programs using football as a vehicle for mm. men to open up and have discussions and, and address the issue of mental health in regional areas. So there was a bit of a focus in terms of my community focus there. Um, I've also got a relationship with a charity called Youth Focus, uh, dealing with child mental health uh, issues, suicide and self-harm. And, and um, we 
started a group of us started a bike ride, which is now really a major fundraiser for them. So we've been associated with the, in the community. I was involved in the community space for some time. And then coming in, uh, I was CEO of the Footy Commission for 10 years, having worked there for 20 years totally, and it was just time for change. So mm. I moved on and uh, had a year off, basically, um, and then was asked to do the business plan for the fathering project um, by some people who I knew from football yeah. um, and with a view that you know there's a potential this could, could get bigger. Yeah, um, and so I've been there ever since. So it's not true to say I started the fathering project off. Professor Bruce Robinson is the founding director. Yeah, uh, Bruce is a respiratory physician uh, dealing with dying men and would often have difficult conversations with men. And what came up as a recurring theme was that people on with not long to live would come up and say, "Well, I, Bruce would talk about what their regrets are in life." Yeah. Recurring theme, worked too hard, didn't spend enough time with their kids and wish they got the balance right or wish someone had told them to get the balance right. So that started Bruce off on a journey of discovery and he found there's a lot of research to show that the father has a profound impact on child outcomes. And so Bruce had been running the fathering project by giving some talks, um, mainly at sort of Western Suburbs primary schools or high schools, private schools. And he uh, ran a website and was really doing it on a, um, you know, just in his spare time. In his spare time as well as being a physician, a researcher and an educator. Um, And also doing stuff like going up to East Timor and helping out with medical, you know, with the medical situation up there. Mm. Um, And anyway, Bruce uh, started, he he gave a talk to a group of business people. And the business people said, this is fantastic. We've got to do something about this. So they got together some funding, uh, helped to engage me in doing the business plan, and we've sort of rolled it out from there on. Um, so that was the, the, the start. So Bruce Robinson's been running this for a number of years, uh, about 15 years in a website basis, giving some talks. And about five or six years ago, I came on board and started to create the program of what, what we have now. Mm. Um, so yeah it's grown it's, it's interesting good. listening to you there's in, in the stuff you're talking about with your footy and here there's a strong sense of giving back to the community and strengthening the community to a more healthier state What where does that come from in Wayne's journey I don't know is that role models by yeah, not, not or, specifically or uh, not specifically I guess like my mum's been volunteering at a hospital for 30 years. She right. goes two times a week and volunteers. Uh, whether, you know, maybe that's just the, what my parents have passed down to me, but, um, you know, it's just like, I don't know, just want to give back a little bit and mm. do my best. Yeah. Um, it's not, I don't know, for me, it's not a conscious thing. I just do it. Just do it. Yeah. As far as I haven't right. actually thought down, you know, why yeah. do I do these things? I don't have a. Not seeking to change the world or anything, but I just do it. Yeah, do <laughs> you know. bet. Yeah. So um, it's it's interesting what you were saying there around. Um, sorry, what was the name of the chap? Bruce Robinson. Bruce Robinson. There yeah. we go. Um, what he what he was beginning to find with um, men and their regrets and not being at home as much and being away yeah i myself have started doing a bit of reading about from different 
sourced reading about this and there seems to be this theme of men being away a lot you know since it, it was interesting I read that well, you know if you go back from when we left the farms and went to the industrial age you've gone from having fathers that were role models in the house hard work you know um, ethics and, yeah. and, and things like that and then all of a sudden they're, they're taken off to the factory and then from the factory, you know, a couple of world wars and then into the office and factory and males seem to be absent a lot. Is part of this bringing men home to a degree to, to be more of a present yeah. role model? There has been a bit of a, a transition. So, you know, it used to be, there's a saying, takes a village to raise a child. And that used to be true. Yeah. Everyone used to live close to their relatives. So if we do a presentation now, we ask people, you know, who lives within five kilometres of their parents or their in-laws? Yeah. And not many put their oh, hands about up. 10,000 miles. Yeah. But back in the old days, the village would be an extended family. So there would be father yeah. figures. So in the fathering project, we just don't talk about fathers, but we talk about father figures as well. Yeah. Um, and so back in the, you know, the community when there was a village there'd be people living around even going back further when they're off hunting there would be mm. uncles and others who'd be help around to help you know help raise the kids or yes. well, the kids would go on the hunting trips and then uh, you know as the years go by industrial age and people go off into the factory and it become they're still living closer to each other mm. but these days people are moving apart and the village actually doesn't exist as strongly yeah. anymore uh, added to that too is that the current trend of women working in the workforce yes. so the male role has to change because no longer can the male just go off and earn the earn the money yeah. but often the woman is so uh the men has the men have to step up and do more yes um and we're noticing it in recent years and this is not research based it's just impressions that we believe that there's been a uh, corporately there's been a bit more of an understanding and and in people wanting to get that balance right that there's more to life than just working so yes. if you live to work or work to live mm-hmm. and so men are realizing well i want to have a balance i want to have a balance so i have to help out my wife practically yeah or your partner um you know they have to have more input into the household uh because otherwise the partner will struggle because often he or she's out working um, yeah. And so you've got actually got to share the load a bit more. So men yeah. have to actually have to step up. Um, so that's there is a is a transition, and there's a bit of an understanding that men yeah. do want to spend some more time at home. And what do you get joy out of? If we ask, if we ask at our presentation, we ask at our presentations. There we go. Live broadcasting. Yeah. <laughs> I did, I'm sorry about that. I didn't turn that it's off. Right. It's just through the computer. Um, if we ask at a presentation, uh, I'll ask you, what's the most important thing in your life? Relationships. Okay. So mostly people say would say family yeah. when we talk to a group. That, yeah. Okay. What's the most important thing in your life? The answer is family. Yeah. Okay. So have you done any personal development at work? Any learning to try and advance yourself? Yes. Yeah. Okay, have you done any personal development on the most important thing, on families or relationships? Now, Question. I know you have. Yes. But most people, the, it's less than 5% would put their hand up and say, yeah. well, I've done some work on, on families and relationships. Mm. And 
Um, it's interesting then, isn't it? I say, well, at work, you're actually a commodity. Yes. As good an employee as you are, if there's a downturn or there's a problem, yeah. you get the pink slip, you're out the door. They might regret it and it might be a tough decision, but you're a commodity, you're out the door. But in the home, you're not a commodity, you're an essential item. Yeah. So why don't we do some development and some learning to be a little bit better and have mm. a bit of an understanding of what makes the relationships better Yeah. in the most important thing being family. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're trying to do is just make dads aware of how important they are, turn the light bulb on and give them a few ideas and tips and skills to be a bit better. And that's really interesting because one of the things I've sort of found is that, um, yeah, once you have that realisation that, yeah, you, you're learning to do something over here, maybe at work or, or sport or something like that, but you're not in, you know, how you're dealing with your, your partner or how you're dealing with your kids. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, how am I doing that? Well, I'm playing the same patterns that were role modeled to me. Yeah. And, and, then it, and then it becomes a bit tricky because, like, certainly for myself, I've got a very close relationship to my mum and dad. And you know, I'm fiercely proud of them and the relationship we had. But at the same time, you've got to sort of have this bit of, well, there were bits that didn't work so well. So what were they? And how am I going to go and boost forwards from yeah. there? And you know, this, I think sometimes if I listen to my dad talk about how he parented us and then how I parent my daughter, is that sort of swinging of the pendulum, which is, oh, my dad didn't do this, so I did this. And my dad didn't do this, so I swing that. So there's another sort of natural swinging of a pendulum. But then to actually notice that that's what's happening and being more conscious about going, Right, what are the gaps in general? What do I need to do? And that, same for a male, plays right into a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Because you know, we like to think that, you know, we've got our shit together and we know what we're doing. Yeah. So to actually have that conversation of, maybe I don't. Yeah. Is that what you say? Yeah. And, and look, you probably asked a bit later what's a, what makes a good dad, but there's no formula for it. Yeah. It's about what works in the in the current in the situation, and so there's there's certain tips and ideas that mm. we can give that will help dads be better. So we don't go out and saying, "Oh, you know, you're bad dads." We're just saying we want them to be the best they can be. Mm. Um, and so different things work for different families and different scenarios, mm. and it's, it's up to the dad to work out what the best way, mm. and the family is a dynamic to work out the best way for it to happen. Well, one of the things that I came across recently. Um, certainly with the, my journey over the last five or six years, was I spent the whole time trying to if sort of chunk out of fathering and become, and look at it from a man. I spent a lot of time trying to pride myself on being a good man. Yeah. And after a period of time, that just got freaking stressful. Yeah. And recently I came across a switch in that, which was rather than trying to be a good man, tried to be good at being a man. And so I could see how that is highly applicable yeah. here. Rather than trying to be a good dad, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Oh, it's just a labyrinth. It's, why don't we try being good at being a father? Yeah. That then gives me a place. And it's so, it sounds really subtle, but then yeah. that's now, 
oh, there's lots of different skills, lots of different things. Yeah, it's evolving. One of the things that you just mentioned there is about being a good man. Is that what's the definition of a man? Yeah. Because um, one of the things that we're saying is it's not the best approach to say be a man. Yeah. Toughen up. You know, don't be a girl. Yeah. We don't want to hear those sorts of things because, yeah. particularly for child development, it's around, okay, um, if you be a man, what's the stereotype of being a man? Mm. Okay. Exactly so what you're just saying. You, you get to be pot- potentially, uh, you know, maybe aggressive or you hold things within yourself and you, you don't share your issues and yeah. your problems and, and you don't talk. Emotionally constipated. <laughs> exactly. You know, women are very happy to, to share, blokes don't. So, um, you know, be a man is the thing, one of the things we try and get out of the vocabulary of parents is yeah. uh, dads because of that stereotype. Because we want um, kids to be able to be emotionally um, sensitive and adjusted yeah. and be able to share um, it's interesting that that uh, in the US, something like 99% of uh, mass murders yes. are committed by men or boys. Yeah. Now, why would that be? Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Is it blokes have got uh, pent-up emotion, they can't release it and they can't talk yeah. about their issues, so they internalise. You can see how that lines up. And then... Okay, well, how do you deal with things? Well, you show aggression. You want to be tough. Yeah. And you toughen up. And so you go out there and you become aggressive. And that's the way it's translated. So yeah. um, it's Not very me. much about you know trying to be the best person you can be. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, there's different approaches to that, um, yeah. that area. It's interesting, I think. Yes. You can certainly see how yeah, getting built up and built up. Yeah. And then it just has to come out, and yeah. it's just going to be kind of untidy. So, to say how, so how do you do it? How, yeah. you know, and these people get, and it's, no doubt there's many factors that influence this. I'm not just saying oh. this is the one, but you know, it's interesting that the, the 99% of them has murders and not by men. Yeah, uh, and and the relationship between you know, toughen up, be a man. Yeah, you know, don't be a girl. You know, well, I did a podcast with a lady called Anne O'Neill before Christmas, who's responsible for Angel Hands. So they um, provide counseling in very extreme situations, usually after murder, more often than not, familicide. Anne herself was a victim of familicide where her ex-husband took the life of her kids and himself and left her. And um, she points out that if familicide is going to occur, it's usually when female is separated, there's kids involved, and it's usually within that six to twelve month window. Yeah. And we discussed how men are just getting so pent up because your kids do mean the world to you. They yeah. absolutely do. You know, as men we want to protect and provide and so it becomes tribal, yeah, you know, and primitive you do want to protect and provide and if something's happening with the kids and they're being taken away and then you can't deal with it again you can see how the points line up and it's like right nobody's having anything yeah exactly and that's the end of it yeah yeah Yeah, it's pretty tragic it's pretty tragic yeah Um, obviously you know you've gone from strength to strength with the project and it's 
you know, was it, was it five years now in Western Australia yeah. and yeah. going into other states? Um, it's a big question putting you on the spot here, but how do you see the current state of fathering in the state of Western Australia? <laughs> Oh, look, I think there's lots of guys, blokes out there doing a great job. Mm. Um, there's more of an awareness. We're starting to build an awareness through the fathering project. Mm. Um, but everyone can be a bit better, and I'm sure there can be something that you know yeah. that we can add to everyone. So, you know, I don't really want to say that the fathering is in a poor state. Yeah. But blokes are out there doing their best. They yeah. might not be aware. They might not have um, the opportunity. Uh, we'll talk about a program that we've got running out in Armadale in a little while mm. that is really uh, impactful. Um, and some of those guys have just had no role models to mm. to, to model from. They've got no idea yeah. what makes a good dad or how to be a good dad. And they're trapped in a cycle of poverty and, and it's difficult to get out. So, um, yeah, look, the state of fathering is, mm. you know, it can always be a bit better. Are, you, are there any particular gaps that you're noticing oh look not really it, it's across the board whether you're an executive in on st george's terrace yeah uh who might give their kids a couple hundred bucks to look after themselves on the weekend yeah or a, someone else in a in another suburb that's that you know doesn't care mm. there's issues associated yeah. with the fathering they're just different yeah they just yeah, manifest they're themselves. The same they're different, but the same yeah. because they're not yeah. focusing on the on the child. At the same time, there's some parents who just live their lives through their kids, yeah, and that's not necessarily the right way to go. And so that's something I wanted to get range, into as well. It's a whole range of things because there's, um, yeah, and that it's interesting you bring that up because that was another question I had written down here because there's one and there's the, almost the neglect side, and then another part which I have seen and witnessed and probably been a part of is the overindulgence of kids to the detriment of the relationship which spawned the kids, yeah. which can then play out with a great sense of entitlement within the kids because they've just grown up thinking that they are the center yeah. of the attention and center of the world and the universe. And that's not going to help put them in good stead. No. Or, or the fact that, their parents do everything so where does resilience and mm. come in so um, yeah. there's a balance I think and um, you know Professor Bruce Robinson would say you know I love watching my kids play sport he would say every now and then don't go go camping instead and do something different yes. let the kids be on their own and just show that everything's not living through through yes you're not living through your kids and that you actually have the parents actually have a life outside yes. of what their kids do yes that the modeling of a parent is around there's multiple factors associated with it. it's just there's work there's your health there's your relationship with your partner relationship with your friends you might be spiritual yeah uh, and your kids kids are just part of the total yeah. pie it's not the some total of it. Some total of the pie. Yeah. And if the kids, uh, if you're modelling the behaviour to the kids and modelling great values and diversity and acceptance and all those sorts of things, mm. uh, diversity in the context of doing different things, looking outside the bubble, um, you know, doing different learning or travelling or just creating a stimulating environment, yeah. then they're going to be better off for, on yeah. it. For it. 
rather than just being totally focused on your kids the whole time. Mm. And that focus could manifest itself in a couple of ways. Like you said, they might have that feel of entitlement, but so often the kids have a feeling of pressure to perform. Like in the sports sense, you know, oh, sport, you know, my son's doing this, my daughter's doing this. Parents will watch it. And after a while, the kid goes, actually, I'm not enjoying this. I'm only doing it because my parents want me to do it. And then it just... Yeah. becomes fractious and breaks down. Yeah, now, anxious. That that's not, you know, I'm not saying that's widespread, but it does happen. There's yeah. ex, there's at different ends of the spectrum. There's the dads that don't care, and then there's the uh, others that are just living through their kids. Over care. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. So tell me, you, you mentioned a, a piece of work that you're doing. Was it over in Armadale? Armadale. Yeah. What are some of the things that the the project actually sort of does on a tactical on the ground okay so i'll talk about our core program the one Mm. that we've been funded for uh by the federal government and that's uh, our schools program yeah and we elected to target the primary schools because that's the best way of accessing men because every kid's got to go to school so yep um that's a good way of of gathering men yeah and where the kids are present (laughs) yeah so the essence of the program is that we try and create what we call uh, self-supporting but collaborative groups within the school mm. and in doing that we find we talk to the schools uh, the first step to get permission to help to set up a group in the school we ask the school to help us to identify some dads who can step up and help to lead the program then we work with the dads to um, get them attached to the to the program and get them to the, agree to be the leaders and if we can get four to six or eight dads who are happy to form a committee and run a few activities, yep. that's great. Then we form, have a, a introductory session with the school where we get everyone to come in and we give them a talk about the fathering project and hopefully inspire them to be a part of the group. Mm-hmm. And then we help to support those dads in running different activities. Or in fact, they become, they run them themselves, but we just give some ideas yeah. and best practice for them. So the essence of that is to create fathering groups in schools where the groups undertake three levels of activities. Father and father activities, father and child activities, and fathering fathers in the school. So dads and dads activities, and we're not talking fathers, I'm talking fathers and or father figures. Yep. Um, Getting together, having some fun activity, creating mateship, and Mm. uh, just sharing and learning from each other. Mm, brilliant father and child activities could be anything they might go for um, archery or walk in the park or we had one group do orienteering at Whiteman Park and they had 200 dads and kids running through the Whiteman Park in the rain Um, stuff that you wouldn't I wouldn't have even thought would work you know geocaching (laughs) and all sorts of different things and so we leave it to the groups to organize themselves and the essence there is to get dads to just spend quality time with their kids. Yes. And then fathers and the school. So there could be a range of things. What we're trying to do is also to get dads to <clears> step <throat> over the threshold of the front doorstep of the school and become more engaged in the school and, and value education more. Mm. So and I know this happened with me. When I was uh, dropping my kids off at school, what I would do is drop them off, open up the door, push them out the door and then race off to work. Yeah. Whereas... The women, the mums, they'll park the car, get off, have a chat, find out what's going on, yeah. meet the teachers, engage with each other, 
what we want dads to do is not necessarily get off and just have a chat, but that would be great if they did, but actually just to do things like meet the teacher, um, show the kids and talk about the value of education. So mm. there might be things like, let's get dads to do the school canteen mm. for a week and have a dad's only doing the school canteen or um, do a walking bus to school where dads and kids will actually, on a particular day, will everyone will walk together to school. Yeah. Um, uh, come into the school and say hello to the teacher and thank them for the task, the job that they're doing. Mm. And show kids that you respect that teacher mm. and therefore they will then model your behaviour that they hopefully will respect the teacher as well. So the fathering groups uh, are self-supporting and they run their own activities. There's stuff going on all the time that we don't even know about because they're off just the groups, just off running the, yeah, free the groups. Yeah, uh, we hear about school campouts that are really popular where mm. dads and kids will just come and camp on the school grounds, uh, build camaraderie and mateship amongst the dads, um, which is uh, the, f- the foundation of the program. It sounds like it's just a fun program, and, and it is, mm. because what we're looking to d- achieve is to <clears throat> achieve behaviour change. So it's attitude change first and then behaviour change. Yes. So in order for that to happen, you need to identify behaviours that you want to adopt and you need to practice those on an ongoing basis. So the essence of creating fun activities is to ensure that the dads get together and do stuff on a regular basis because if it's not fun and meaningful, it'll fall away and it won't happen. So creating the fun and the mateship also gives an added bonus for dads because blokes generally don't have a wide circle of friendship, a wide friendship circle. Mm. They don't relate and engage with each other. So if we can create an environment where dads can have fun, uh, meet other blokes, share their experiences, mm. then that's going to be good for 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 dads. Yeah, because we do operate in little eco, yeah. eco chambers, don't yeah. we? Yeah, so in a little cocoon, so you know, rather than you know, dri- driving off and going to work, and it's okay. Well, the school's a place where I can actually do stuff and have yes. fun with other blokes. Like um, in my experience, a lot of the people that I, um, my relationships that I have now, are really based out of the ones that we met in primary and high school. Mm. That through my kids. Yeah. Um, so we want to try and create that. And that's that great as well because. I found with my daughter, who's 12, I love hanging out with her, but I can only give her so much. Her friends can, she wants to hang out with her friends. Well, you know, it'd be fun if I had more access to her friends' parents Yeah. to create friendship groups that are multi-layered. Yeah, and I, you know, I want my daughter to go out with a bloke who's got great parents and if yes. I can meet those parents I'm going to be much more comfortable with that <laughs> yes and understand that my you know my daughter's boyfriend is yeah. great Come, parents comes from a place with great values yeah um, as an aside we often say that dads marry uh, daughters marry their dads yes in that the values that I impart to my daughter mm. respect for women um, what I value in life and healthy activity and exercise and all that sort of stuff mm. um, that's what she's going to look for in a bloke in her boyfriend mm. um, whereas if I am disrespectful for women or there's domestic violence in the household she'll, that'll be normalised mm. and so that's the type of per- person the behaviours mm. that she'll accept with her partner yeah 
Um, kids, so, kids do what they see you do, yeah, exactly. not what you say to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So just back to the school groups, yeah. we've got, um, and what we do as part of that process with the dad and dad uh, activities is that we embed some learning into the um, into the sessions. Mm-hmm. So it might be on, okay, on screen time or uh, bullying or how do you manage yeah. these things. Um, in the early days, it's pure just pure activities, and I call it dads learn from each other through osmosis, simply just by doing stuff side by side, being present, and being present and talking to each other. They're going to learn <clears throat> from each other. Yeah. Uh, as the group develops, then we start doing these other. Um, education components which is an area that we're building on more and more now and creating Mm. resources to stimulate conversations and in those environments the dads uh, it's people think blokes don't talk as much but our experience is you give them the opportunity to start talking Mm. give them an environment where they're comfortable and they're happy to share they've just they like talking like yeah like any other person like get out yeah, so that that's the core program, and that's the one that we've been funded for to expand nationally. Um, we also have another program that we spoke about, is the Armadale program. We've also got one running in Coburn, Quinana, Rockingham, North Mandurah, mm. you know, on a part-time basis. Um, and our hypothesis was that in Armadale, places like Armadale that have pockets of high poverty, and mm. you know, Armadale's got all the indicators are, are not in a, are not strong in terms of the yeah. uh, disadvantage and the like you know, high, leading high level of domestic violence and, and so forth um, second highest <clears throat> area of crime in, in WA um, our hypothesis is what hypothesis was that in schools if we want to create fathering groups that we thought that the dads wouldn't have the confidence to step up and lead a group so we've created a program uh, where we have a community facilitator who does two things. One, he helps to set the groups up and he actually physically runs the program, whereas in other schools that we get the dads to run the yeah. program. And his role is to find dads to get them engaged in the program and then bring them up to give them confidence for them to run it themselves and he can step out. So that's one part of his job. Yeah. The other part is to work with some of the at-risk dads in the in the, in the school. So dads who, and this is as described by our uh, community facilitator, they tend to have three characteristics. One, high level of trauma, um, lack of trust. Mm-hmm. They don't trust people in general and social services. They've been telling their story for a long time and they, oh, stuff doesn't happen. And there's shame about where they've, uh, where the position that they're at. And... Yeah. Um, to what he has to do and we call it a slow burn approach I've had to be educated in it that we can't actually expect outcomes like we would in KPIs to deliver yep. a number of schools because it takes a long time to build trust with these guys mm. and so it's a slow burn approach you build trust how you're consistent you'll you be there and work on relationships with these guys and then you can bring them along mm. um, so we've got a great in fact, a student uh, did a little project um, for his Film and Television Institute uh, degree out of Sydney, actually. Uh, it's in a great video uh, as a trailer on this program. It just shows these guys of um, 
the underlying issue that is there is poverty as well that, that creates this issue. So mm. the aim there is really, so our community facilitator set the groups up, up and help the dads, you know, the at-risk dads in the, in the mm. community. So that's a small program. It's not sustainable in terms of having a national coverage because you need people. Yes. My vision there is that we have maybe four in Perth as we expand, we can get if we can get it federally funded, for example, that we would have you know, six in pockets in Melbourne and six or eight in Sydney, yeah. or whatever the number is, that we can get it funded. But it's to have it funded to go all around Australia, it's yes. just not sustainable to do that. So, uh, but if we can pick out the the pocket areas and have them work in those areas, then that's kind of what I'm trying to achieve. That's pretty awesome. So it's dealing with the guy, and it, it's. It's an inspiring program. I bet. Um, the schools program Massive is fantastic because it's building... Yeah. that. It's fantastic because it's building the masses and it's having a huge impact. We mm. know that if dads... The research is really profound. If there's an effective father or father figure in a child's life, their outcomes are significantly enhanced. Less alcohol, less drugs, less crime, better sexual behaviours, uh, better learning, better socialisation, all those sorts of things. Yes, Things that we don't have doesn't take us very long when we talk to teachers or coppers or social workers. We don't have to spend very long yeah, extolling the, the virtues of the program. They get it because they see it every day. Yeah, where it's present, where it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there, they're sort of the two programs. We do some other things as well that are more tactical. We do a bit of corporate work. Um, and we also have an AFL program with it where we do all AFL coaches uh, yeah. So we've got about half a dozen AFL clubs mm. who are sort of doing our program. Um, you know, West Coast Eagles are really good in that they, Adam Simpson, jumped all over it and said, yes, we want to develop our coaches as people. Yeah. You know, the better people they are, the better they're going to be more productive and the more mm. comfortable at home. So he, in one of the initiatives they understood... So it's their premiership coaches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. That uh, is, because... A couple of... One of the things he did early on in the piece was, okay, first day of school, he pushed back training so that all the coaches could take their kids to school and yeah. just have a morning with their partner or wow. and their kids and just yeah. do it without the pressure of having to run off to work. Because footy coaches mm. typically work really long hours and are totally focused on footy. Uh, but his... And, and the other interesting point, that after the grand final victory... Last year, um, a little saying came out, or they went, friends, family, flags. Yeah. That was their focus. Yeah. And flags, interestingly, the outcome was the last one. Yeah. It's getting the other things in your life right. Yeah. Relationships and um, your family right, and then the business will happen more effectively later. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, I'll just relate a study that's been undertaken out of Harvard University. It's the longest longitudinal study. And what they did is they measured Harvard graduates. Mm-hmm. And they so they've been measuring them since, I think, the 1930s. They measured Harvard graduates and then some other people out of slums and measured a whole mm. bunch of metrics, their health, uh, their mental health, their physical health, mm. uh, their work outcomes, how much money they have, how successful they are financially, uh, family relationships, a whole bunch of metrics. 
And what they discovered was that there was actually no difference between the Harvard students and the kids out of the slums. Yeah. The key factor out of all of this is not your education or how much opportunity you had. Yeah. It's around, in terms of life and longevity, is your relationships. Yes. Relationships is the foundation. So it's interesting that, you know, in terms of what we're trying to do is build relationships um, between dads and kids. Yep. Uh, enhance relationships within the family. And increasingly we're finding that we're, uh, particularly in, in some states, there's a big focus on building community and we're seemingly good at building community. Yes. Um, and that's one of the things in New South Wales where we're um, expanding really rapidly is that the schools have a KPI. Uh, the education department has a KPI on building community. Yeah. And because they see the value in that building that community, building the village up again because the village is, is gone. Yes. Um, and a successful school will have a really strong, sound community. So that's the other area that we're, you know, mentioned that we're moving from, it's not just child development outcomes, but we're building community, uh, helping to re- with family relationships. Um, and our evaluation that we've undertaken so far is really strongly supportive, showing that dads are talking to their kids more often. Uh, they're more engaged in the school community. They understand their role as a father mm. figure. They have um, more engagement in the school, all these sorts of things. So that's all really positive. Um, the other area that we have, um, and we'd have no research for this, it's just intuitive. And but yeah. as we go forward, that we'll have the Sometimes evaluation. You don't need research. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, and it's it. It, and I think this makes sense that um, in terms of what we're doing is gathering men together, creating mateship and creating an environment where blokes can be relaxed and talk to each other. Yeah. So what that's doing is building connectedness. Yes. If you look at uh, Beyond Blue and other websites around men's mental health, connectedness is one of the key elements. Yes. So our element that we'll measure going forward is are we having an impact on men's mental health? Yeah. So we've moved from being kids to having an impact on community and now potentially we think there might be an impact on men's mental health because yeah. of the connectedness that's been created. Well, we, we do go down a cycle of holding a lot of tension in ourselves because sometimes life can be confusing and it's not quite how everybody said it was going to be and then you can start reflecting inwardly on, well... Maybe it's me that doesn't get it. And then that can leave you to an isolated state, which can then create this inner tension, which then, with men, and I'm sure ladies do it, but I'm a man and I've seen it, witnessed it with others and in myself, is then you get to this point of, well, I need to just deal with that tension. And so I try and sedate it, however. um, And then that leads me to a sense of real aloneness. Yeah. And then when you get to this point of silence, my previous podcast guest, uh, Leon Ruri, who does the Hacker for Life, he his big focus is, um, is the silence, men's silence, that actually leads to male depression, suicide, yeah, okay. anxiety. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a little wonder that if you can get men talking about at least one thing 
other than no disrespect just the footy yeah exactly <laughs> um, yeah. but something of making an impact um, you know their kids then you are breaking that silence and mm. opening all of that up so they realise that no it's not just you it's everybody else yeah and nobody's perfect yeah exactly we're just figuring it out I know and we're all work in progress that bloke over there looks pretty successful but geez, yeah. he's had a few problems along the way hasn't he yeah so yeah, yeah. you know it's not an easy road. Being a dad is a hard job. Yeah. And you learn as you go. And you make mistakes. Yeah. You know, I look back uh, on my fathering and for me, I go, I wish I knew then what I know now yeah. in terms of some of the things I would have done with my kids. Mm. It would have been much better. But this, but that's just... but And they're still yeah. great kids. They're still great yeah. kids and still successful at doing the job, but I could have just done it a little bit better. Yeah. This raises an interesting question that sort of bubbled up while you were talking is, you know, fathering doesn't stop just because kids leave school. It goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I miss the impact of having my father, it's my choice to go up to Western Australia. Yeah. And he's still in England. But I miss the impact of having him around this oracle that I can go and yeah. have, a, have a chat to. And so, yeah, it'd be interesting. There are other, you know, there are further phases of fatherhood. Yeah, absolutely. That are more subtle, but yeah, nonetheless impactful. Yeah, uh, we're we're doing some uh, work now in just getting some generational stories of grandfathers, fathers, and kids. Yeah. So just, you know, get a few stories out of these people. Get some storytelling going. Yeah. Just from one to another. One to, to another, another, and their experience. And wow. And and that's one of the things that we try and say to dads: talk to your kids about the, you know, your failures as well. Mm. Kids need to know that it's not, it's not all beer and skittles out there. And no. oh, my dad's not perfect. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can stuff up every now and then. Yeah, as yeah, a kid. yeah. And to do and watch what to do when I do yeah. stuff up. Yeah, and you know that's sort of one of my learnings. You know that I reckon I was just too overprotective and didn't let my kids go out and do things and mm. fail occasionally and you know they still they fail but you know create that environment or that box that within that box they can make their decisions and stuff up mm. um, stepping outside the box that becomes a bit more catastrophic so it will provide a bit more guidance but generally just give them you know let them do stuff and let them make mistakes and build that resilience and then you know ask them the questions rather than giving them, ask them the questions so they can get the answers rather than giving them the solution yes so that's how I sort of yes. reflect on what I could have done better. Uh, and like different blokes will have different reflections on what they could have yeah. done better. Yeah, that's um, what I refer to as, what was it? Shortcutting parenting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, can't be asked to go through it, so just tell the kids the answer. Yeah. But you're only, yeah. make life tricky down the line. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, that's true. Hmm. Are there any other programs and projects that you're looking at at the moment? Or? No, our real focus is really on our national rollout at the moment. So we've got yeah. the opportunity through some federal funding to embark on delivering the program on a national basis. At the moment, we're in WA and New South Wales and a couple of schools, 14-odd schools in Victoria. So our goal is to roll the program out and hit half the schools within five years. Mm. And to do that next year, or this year, we'll start off, uh, we'll boost up New South Wales, um, step up into Victoria and, and commence into Queensland. Mm. 
and then the next year we'll follow out and f- roll out with other states following that. So that's our real focus at the yeah. moment. That's our bread and butter. We're still a small organisation. Mm. Um, they call me CEO, but that's actually call, that's for Chief Everything Officer. <laughs> yeah, so that's, we just do everything. So you've seen yeah. where we live up here in a relatively old building, or very old building, 1902 building, and there's three staff yeah. in this state. And we've got a few staff in, in New South Wales. So we're a small, lean organisation. So uh, we now just want to try and continue with that lean approach, um, but to be able to achieve our outcome of trying to get to all the schools, we would get to half the schools within five years. Mm. Which, Here in um, WA? Oh, oh, nationally. Nationally. Yeah. Awesome. So that's, a, that's a vision. That's a... That's, no, that's a lofty, a big, hairy, yeah. lofty goal. Well, so that's what you need, isn't it? That's what we're trying to aim for um, and just get out there and get mm. into schools. What have been some of the biggest challenges since you've taken over this? Um, oh, look, it's scaling up. I sort of find... F- <laughs> there's, a, there's a saying in the not-for-profit world, it's called money before mission. It's like anything. You've got to raise some funds to get, get going. So fundraising is always an issue for us. Uh, the federal funding will help out, but the reality is that it only constitutes about 28% of our funding going forward for the next five to seven years. Mm. And so we've still got to raise a lot of money. Um, having said that, I just look at the shopkeeper on the corner. They've got to raise money or a business. Yeah. We're exactly the same as business. Yeah, we've got to, They've got to generate customers and we've got to raise money. It's just That's just the yeah. nature. We're in a business... Um, Are there any avenues to sort of commercialise a few things you do? Well, that's a that's a good question because we've been. I'm trying to hit on what our social enterprise will be going forward. Yeah, I haven't quite hit on that. There's a number of people in the not-for-profit space that might have childcare centres or whatever. We don't. We're not in that space. Mm. We haven't had that capacity at the moment. Um, Our aim is really to build our digital presence going forward so that we can expand and become. Um, not just uh, an authority or, or a reference point for Australia, but you know, potentially globally. Yes. Um, and as we build our our reach, then we'll be able to provide information for people, and they can we can become the place to go to. Yeah. And you know, maybe in the future we might have some subscription models where you know we'll give a certain yeah. level of information, then ask people to pay a couple of bucks for a. Yeah. Uh, for some more, you know, a monthly tip or whatever it might be. Um, we're just developing that, that concept. I could quite though. easily see how, you know, outside of Australia, the things that you're doing in, in the schools, which obviously yeah. are being funded to do, you could be coaching outside of Australia. Yeah. For a- and, and look, it's a, it's a, what we do in the Fathering Project is not rocket science. We just want to turn the light bulb on for dads make yeah. them aware of how important they are and give them some ideas on how to be better. Mm. And the programs that we do is just about getting blokes together yeah. and getting blokes and kids together. But the interesting thing I find at the moment is you, know, you, can, go on, you can go on the internet and you can find any information you want, whereas the key value that's being delivered is helping people to actually do stuff with yeah. that information. Yeah. So you're right. On one level, cognitively, it's not rocket science. But then doing it, yeah, actually doing it and having the support and the push and the accountability yeah. to do it is, um, yeah, where real value lies yeah. at the moment. Yeah, 
So, yeah, and in the future, we're hoping that perhaps that businesses will ignite, and I think I detect a shift. Yes. No research here yet, but I detect a shift in the corporate scene that, okay, we do acknowledge that our workers actually have to spend a bit of yep. quality time in, with their family. You know, it's interesting. It's just yesterday on the, there was a uh, news report of a, a tech company in Melbourne that they've, they work, they're 37 and a half hours a week over four days. So they work Monday, Tuesday, have Wednesday off, and then work Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Productivity's up, less uh, absenteeism and less sickness. Yeah. Um, pro- profitability's up, and so they're working one day a week less because people are kind of like working two short blocks. Yeah. And they get all their family stuff and they're better yeah. adjusted. And it's just different ways of doing things. Absolutely. Um, and so <clears throat> companies now, I think, are acknowledging that, you know, if you mm. want to work at a stay, they need to be fulfilled. And, mm. um, well, bless, and ma- bless and millennials are pushing that of, yeah. to a degree. Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I sat and did a podcast with, with, with Brody McCulloch from Shared Space in, in, on the terrace, and he was saying how, you know, the world of work is, the face of work is changing. Yeah, People totally. don't want to necessarily clock in Monday to Friday, nine yeah. to five to you know, you know, you talked about earlier on having guys taking their kids to school and stuff like that. And yeah. um, certainly one of the, look, there are many challenges with being a separated co-parent, which I am, but one of the things that it's forced me to do is to stand up for being a co-parent, which means that I don't. And I had to reconcile the fact that I'm not going to see my daughter every day now. That was tough. Yeah. Um, um, but it means that when I am with her, then it's very important. Mm. Now that then gives the whole, you know, yeah, for a period of time, because there was a degree of shame floating around in my life, I was overcompensating down the other end, like we were talking about yeah. earlier on, and I had to bring myself back. I was trying to win a friend there, and it's like, no, I'm her father, not yeah. her friend. Yeah, exactly. I've got to bring that back. But it means certainly with things like work and things like that, whenever I've taken on a new job um, from that point five years ago, so I've always been crystal clear, you know, these are the times that my daughter is with me, so yeah. therefore I'll be later into work these days. I'll be earlier out of work these days yeah. um, because it's me and I do this. Yeah. And, and by and large, people are pretty responsive to yeah. it, you know. And so, therefore, I will stay a bit late to these days and I will come in a bit earlier yeah. these days. Um, but, yeah, it's forced me to step up and, and, and say to the rest of the world, because it's very easy to go, well, there's no way my boss is going to let me yeah. have the morning to take my kids to school. And then you just thought your way out yeah. of it without even asking. Totally. The chances are your boss would probably bloody love to do it as well. Yeah. And the fact that you turned up and said, can I come in late every Wednesday because I want to take my kids to school? I'm like, freaking awesome idea. Yeah. Why don't we all do it on a Wednesday? And by the way, I'll work later on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll I'll, I'll instead of leaving at half four, I'll leave at half five. Yeah. Yeah, Cool. Okay. Um, And yeah, when we do our corporate presentations, it's one of the things I always ask is, we're going to be promoting about the fact that on special occasions or when the need arises, you step out from work. Yeah. So if the organisation doesn't support that proposition, then we mm. won't 
you know, it's, we're going to butt heads with the actual administration yeah. of that organisation. Best we don't work together. It's best, you know, yeah. Yeah, the, you know, the best way of from our, and the research bears this out that the best way is just to have the flexible arrangements and to accommodate people's yeah. needs, and they will give. So that example where that company is now doing working Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday, their people are far more productive and attuned yeah. and dedicated to the company because their company said you oh, you'd have Wednesdays off go and get all your all your jobs and done, things done and do stuff with your kids on a Wednesday and then your weekends are free you don't have jobs to do yeah it's it's just yeah it makes sense and you've got your other examples haven't you you know family friends flags yeah exactly <laughs> but it doesn't get more transparent yeah, exactly look yeah. one yeah yeah so um, yeah so that's it's important um, you know and we the role of women is important in the fathering project as well the women really what, gatekeepers often yeah um, and you know what role do they play well you know some people the question's been asked you know are women threatened by the fathering project we've never had any kickback no women just get it they yeah. know if blokes step up they're going to be the beneficiaries yeah. they want their their partners to be better better dads mm. um, they want to have someone sharing the workload with them yeah and they're the gatekeepers they'll drive the blokes in many ways so we you know increasingly working with the women to help get dads motivated to do stuff mm. you know we've had presentations where i remember one that was out uh in the sort of eastern suburbs and the guy turned up and he goes oh mate sorry i'm late i don't know what i'm here for i don't know what this is about my wife told me to be here. That was fine. <laughs> Within five minutes, we had sort of got him involved and engaged, and he he was grateful for having yeah. the opportunity to be there. Now, I'm not saying that happens all the time, but often it's like you know we want you to go get out and you know go to the fathering project activities, go and catch up with different with blokes and yeah, you know, get engaged in the fathering. So uh, it's it's the, it's a really important element to our sort of model is that is the the role of the women in helping to yeah. get the dads to make the first step. Superb. Or help them at least anyway, yeah. What have you learned about yourself through doing this? Um, what have I learned about myself? I guess um, in terms of the fathering project, oh, like I said, I mean, the, the story of for me is I wish I'd, done a bit more self-development education on the fathering when I was younger would have helped me out, help our relationships out with my kids mm. you know I've still got great kids and great relationships but it just would have been different yeah not better it might have been I think it might have been a bit better um, and just really for me you know my my age um, wanting to just do some stuff that's going to help out with the community and mm. you know and that works not it for me work I used to work pretty damn hard too and work weekends and six and a half days six days and it's like you know you've got to get the balance right yes so um, a bit more of a less traditional corporate approach of just work your backside off all the time yeah um, you've got to get the balance right and share it around and do other things and get your relationships right with your mates and your your partner and your, uh, you know, don't have to, it doesn't have to be work all the time. Yes. Not to say that we don't work hard, but the point no. being, if you get the balance right, it helps you to work more productively when you're, when you're at work. Yes. 
So I, I suppose I'm spruiking what I'm promoting as well. You know, yeah. I'm just saying, well, this is what's happened internally for me. Hmm. I think anyway. Hmm. What did I mean? You've you've been quite clear about what does the next three to five years look like for the fathering project. What does the next three to five years look like for Wayne? Oh, look, I really plan on working hard and making this successful. I just want to have the pride to say, look, we've actually yeah. had something there. But equally, um, you know, I want to have some personal objectives for me and. Like I'm an old bloke, so I'm... I'm <laughs> you don't I'm, look that old, uh, I'm 60, so I'm nearly I've got 60. more grey hair than you. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a few challenge, and I like riding bikes and doing physical challenges as well, so I've got a few challenges yeah. on, that I want to do. Um, and, you know, just... I guess... Um, doing stuff with blokes, and it creates that camaraderie of... You know, when you're doing physical stuff, it just creates that camaraderie and yes. helps helps with my competitive streak, which is, yeah, you know, just want to do stuff. Do stuff, be yeah. better. Yeah. Be physical. Get out stuff. there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is all the stuff we as men enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. For me, at least anyway, it's not everyone, but, you know, I like to, you know, get out and do my exercise. I can't run anymore, so I have to ride a bike. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. You've done all your running in the first yeah, part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what um, if you were going to give uh, somebody who's listening to this a male who's a father three three quick tips and uh, how yeah. they can reflect and improve their fathering? What would you What would you say? Well, the first one is around uh, intention, being intentional. Mm-hmm. So, being a dad is not uh, just don't let it happen. Be intentional. Mm. And, Don't drift through. <laughs> and understand, you know, the importance of being a dad. So little things, and this is not one of my tips, but little things like when you're driving home, think about what you're going to be... Like when you drive to work, you're typically thinking about what you're going to do at the office the next day. Yes. When you do it, flip it around the other way. When you're driving home, think about how you're going to engage with your family when you get home. Yeah. That, what are your tactics? You know, yeah. What are you going to talk about? How was school today? Uh, grunt, grunt. Yeah. No, be a bit more. No, just flop through the door. Yeah. Um, so it, I guess be intentional is, is the first one. The number one tip that we give out for dads is to um, dad date. Yeah. Just do a dad date with your kids. Spend one-on-one time with your kids. Mm. Um, if you've got five that, kids... I was going to say, is that collectively or individually? No, individually. If you've got right. five kids, you have five dad dates. <laughs> Um, that you take the time off, you sh- show your kids that you're prepared to take time off. If you're a busy executive, you write in your diary and you book it in. Yeah. And you just go and do something, spend quality time with the mm. kids, one-on-one, no outsiders, uh, no interrogating, Yeah. lots of questions, not so many answering. You know, it's what we spoke about before. Yeah. Just ask them what they think. Yeah. You know, the aim let of that. Talk. <laughs> yeah, let them talk. Engage with them. You know, don't be too judgmental. You know, you've still got to have, uh, you you still got to be their parent, not their pal. Mm. But um, the ultimate aim is if you can build the relationship so that when they're 16, you've got a 16 year old daughter, the daughter rings you up and says, Dad, let's have a chat. I want to talk to you about something. Now, isn't that what you would really like? You've got a younger daughter. 12, yeah. 12. Wouldn't you like it if she was when she hits 16 yep. that she will ring you up and go hey dad I just want to talk to you about something yes now it could be relationships or sexuality it could be anything yes but if you've got that built 
that base up where it's not judgmental, you're going to talk, you're going to ask questions, help them find the answers, mm. then there's a higher likelihood that isn't. And I reckon that's what most blokes would want, that their son or daughter would ring them up when they, mm. when they want some support. Yeah. Um, and that just will create an environment where they, you, know, you can talk. And so dad dates is the, is yep. the tip. Um, and we have a little acronym that we promote in the Fathering Project. Um, it's called BUS. So if you remember the bus principle, so the first tip tip was being intentional, um, dad dates, and the next one is bus. B for being there. Yeah. So actually be there and be present. Yes. Not on your phone. So when you're on your dad date, don't read the paper. Yeah. Don't look at your phone. Yeah. You're actually being there. You're giving your attention to your child. U stands for unconditional love. Yeah. This is probably the hardest one. When yes. the kids are playing up and they're being shits, that you have to show them <laughs> that you're unconditional your love. Yeah, that you've got unconditional love. Yeah, that you might not approve of their behaviour. Yeah, but you have unconditional love. Like, son, what you did there was wrong, and you're going to be accountable for that. But yeah. I just need to let you know that I love you. Yeah, so it's unconditional love, irrespective of performance yeah. or behaviour. They don't have to be the best sportsman or whatever. Um. S is for special. So find that specialness within your child and nurture it. Yeah. So like I said, it doesn't have to be the best sportsman, the best academic, the best actor. You know, it could be something intrinsic. They've got a just a good, nice heart that they're caring for their friends or they're mm. in touch with nature or whatever it is. Create that specialness mm. uh, and have the kids realise that they are special and build their sense of worth because when the tough decisions come down later, when the kids are faced with alcohol and pills at parties and the like, it's their sense of worth, we believe, that will help them navigate their way through. Mm. If they've got the confidence within themselves to be able to say, no, I'm not going to do that, mm. or no, I'm fine, thanks, I don't need that, uh, no, I'm not taking that pill, or you know, I'm not doing that or you know that so that you can actually um have that sense of being and the sense of confidence to to do that so that's we think it comes out of specialness mm. so that they'd have that confidence and that they're valued and they and they they you know they can make those decisions so intentional mm. dad dates and bus they're my three tips love it that's very that's very practical so, and, and we just say for most blokes when we do a present, just think of one thing, just do a dad date. Yeah. And so there, the corollary to that is that you're being intentional because you're doing a dad date yeah. anyway. And you're being um, present. And you're being present and you've, and you, you, yeah. you're saying, showing that the kid that you're, they're valuable, that you, you're, you're being there. Yeah. And that you can tell them that you love them on the dad date and you're talking about their specialness. So it gives you that opportunity. So the dad date, is probably the main one because that wraps up the whole, the whole three. Yeah, all three tips. Like it. And then the very last question I, I, I normally ask my guests is, if you could take one piece of information and just upload it into the collective consciousness, a bit like many guests say, what like in the Matrix or something. Yeah. Um. So everybody just gets it. What would it be? It would be. It just comes back to relationships. It's it's like build relationships. 
it comes back to that Harvard research. It comes back to building the relationship with your kid and understanding what's in, get get the balance and build relationships. Mm. I think would be the main thing that I would say. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, Wayne, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this morning. Um, it's caused me to reflect a lot about my fathering, but um, yeah, and it's actually been, I'll be transparent, it's been quite emotional talking to you as well. It's been fantastic to actually get into it and, and just there's the simpleness of what you're doing, but the huge impact that it can have. Yeah. It, it's beautifully awesome. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this oh, morning. Great. Thank, thank you very you. much for your time. Pleasure. <laughs>